Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am Jeremy Birmingham. This is another episode of Talking Stuff where myself and Andrew Ellis will break down all the latest in Ohio State football recruiting. We'll talk about the transfer portal. We'll talk about NIL. We'll talk about the push to signing day and probably talk about a whole lot more. So enough of just me. Let's get Andrew on the show and get started. Andrew, thank you for taking some time in your evening to join us. I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate you rocking the Bengals gear because, you know, it, it is a good time to be a football fan in the state of Ohio. Uh, unless, of course, you're talking about Ohio State football recruiting because apparently, in everyone's mind, the world is ending and we should probably just uh, shutter up the program in, in Columbus and, and just become a, a Bengals state entirely. I think that's where we've uh, we, where we've landed, correct? Yeah, I mean, we'll see if the Bengals can overcome the Browns for once uh, this coming week. Yeah, but even but if they don't, even if they don't, it's still another win for Ohio, right? That, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, I, I mean, obviously, it's just been a wild week. You know, you get some good news. We're, we're coming back to the playoff. Uh, we'll see what happens against Georgia. But on the recruiting trail, it hasn't been um, all sunshine and rainbows, to say the least. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just a lot of uncertainty right now in the Ohio State um, recruiting world. And it's it's not altogether unexpected. We have watched as this class over the last six months um, has really been impacted by a number of things. First and foremost is NIL. I know people believe this is just some excuse making, but um, you know we we can deep dive down that rabbit hole if we want to. Ohio State just simply has to make some decisions about how they're going to proceed moving forward. If the NCAA is not going to enforce any rules, then Ohio State needs to stop trying to play by them. I think that's pretty much where everyone everything's going to have to trend eventually but i still think that at the heart of it like the program wants to do things the right way and ryan day and mark pantoni and the guys in charge want to do this the right way because they do realize that if you just start giving away copious sums of money to people who've never played a game in in college football your roster changes, the culture changes, the the mood of, of your seniors change when the, you got incoming freshmen. Uh, I just think that it sets up such a, an obvious leadership void in these programs down the road that um, I, I understand the reluctance to like really get into it. But at this point, you know, we're a couple days away probably from finding out the final decision from Damon Wilson. That is a recruitment that two years ago would have been over Ohio State three months ago. Uh, and, and it's just not anymore. Keon Keeley is another guy who, you know, obviously you're, you're recruiting against Alabama and Georgia. These are the biggest of the big, of the big, but these are relationships that Ohio State has won. But, you know, in a world where relationships are no longer the most important thing and um, cash can sort of open the door to get a relationship to be better, it, it becomes hard to, to know which way is up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the wild, wild west out there now. And I think both of us would agree that student athletes benefiting off of their own name, image, and likeness is a, is a great thing. But it's just about how you handle it. And is Ohio State going to change their ways or are they going to just get kind of passed by several other programs? And I, I really have no idea how what Ryan Day and Mark Pantone and all those, you know, the, the brass is going to do. Um, Losing kids to Georgia or Alabama, especially, you know, defensive players is one thing. But when you have some of these other schools that are kind of lurking and coming in, and I know we'll get into that more here later, that's when it really starts to get a little bit weird. And it's just going to be a while. It's been a wild month already with the portal and everything else. So the next few weeks are going to be just insane. Yeah. And I think that is the challenging part. I mean, it, you can objectively look at recruiting against Alabama and Georgia um, and say, hey, Georgia won the national championship last year. They're number one team in the country all year this year. Alabama's won eight national championships in the last 10 years or whatever ridiculous number it is. Like you can rationalize losing some of those recruiting battles, even if you believe or or worry that some of it is happening primarily because NIL has tilted the, the field in a way that you just aren't willing to um, – approach i mean i i don't like i don't even know if willing or wanting or you know i don't know what the right word is but clearly ohio state still is trying to handle this in the way that uh, the spirit of this rule um and that has certainly put them behind and i i do think it's worth asking how long can you let this go before the buckeyes decide to be one of the big swinging 
of college football like they should be because the the certainly the alumni base the the money that's in the Ohio State program is is second to very few uh if any around the country and so they do have the resources there it's just about allocating it differently and you know what you want your boosters to be doing and what you're asking of them if you're an Ohio State administrator so I don't want to spend time on this because I know it sounds like sour grapes, but it, it is what it is. I mean, we've talked about that on this show multiple times until Ohio State really comes to a conclusion of how they want to adapt. Um, it, it could be some of these uh, disappointing uh, outcomes. What you mentioned, schools like Auburn, schools like Miami, et cetera, that are now pushing Ohio State commitments uh, with you know two weeks before signing day, that's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. I mean, when you've got schools that are coming off of like four or five, six win seasons. Or firing their coach. and Yeah. Going through coaching staff changes and all that. And they're suddenly coming in on guys that are basically, have basically gone through the enrollment process at Ohio State already, signed up for classes, all that kind of stuff. And they're making these last minute charges. Like that's when NIL is getting outside of what's acceptable and good, at least in my eyes. And those are, those are the weird situations. Alabama and Georgia beating you for a five-star, whatever, that's going to happen. But these lower-level schools coming in and swooping in and getting these guys or trying to steal these guys, that's, that's, some, that's some weird business. Yeah, and, and again, there's just it's a word that Ryan Day used a couple months ago when I asked him about it in a press conference. There are no guardrails at all right now in college football. There is no enforcement at all. And so Ohio State can either lose these battles or, or adapt their approach. And, and that is the binary choice here for Ohio State, because um, that is what it is going to that's what, what's going to happen. I don't know necessarily that they're going to lose these battles. We'll talk about individual players um, with Auburn and Miami and that kind of stuff in, in a few moments. But it certainly has emboldened these uh, lesser programs to feel like they can come in and swoop in because they know Ohio state's not doing this stuff the way that some of the other schools are. You don't see Auburn and Miami trying to flip Georgia and Alabama commits is what I'm saying. And it shouldn't take a, a, a rocket surgeon to understand why. Yeah, exactly. And we've, you know, we've seen Deion Sanders now at Colorado, Colorado is all of a sudden making some noise on the trail. And now as part of that, just Dion being a big name probably. And then there's also the other side to it, which, you know, is obviously the NIL piece. So I, I don't know. It's just one of those things. If you're going to sit around and wait on the NCA to put those guardrails in place, you're probably going to be waiting a long time and you're just going to continue to get passed by by some of these schools. So I'm really interested to see how this is handled over the next few months, few years, whatever, however long this whole process takes for something to come into place to kind of change things. Yeah. And I, I think it's important that we preface all of the conversation tonight with this with this topic because it does tinge everything else that we're going to discuss but if there's a point that i'd like to reiterate it's that auburn and miami etc are not trying to flip recruits from alabama and georgia who have higher ranked recruiting classes in ohio state and there is a reason why period so at the risk of sounding like this is just a bunch of sour grapes objectively and rationally consider what's happening um and yes, Ohio State, like everyone else, is trying to put together NIL um, packages for, for incoming players. That is part of the, the job. But the numbers that were, are being discussed and the, the sheer amount of money that is being discussed is not the same. And for Ohio State fans, I know that doesn't feel good. Like I, I know that's frustrating. Um, but if that's how you feel, make sure you're donating to Cohesion Foundation and, uh, you know, Co Cohesion and the foundation, the two primary NIL sources at Ohio State. If you want to help, help. Uh, otherwise, it sort of just sounds like, um, you know, bitching and moaning for no reason because there is a way to fix it. But anyway, that's that's all. That's all. We can probably go home. End of the show. Good run. Um, uh, on Tuesday uh, on OhioState.Rivals.com, I wrote about pretty much just the state of affairs across the recruiting class for Ohio State right now in class of 2023. It's weird because like in, in previous years, right now, we'd be firmly focused on the next class moving ahead. Um, that is not possible right now. There are still a lot of outstanding questions for Ohio State in the class of 2023. Um, so we'll dive into those spot by spot like I did in the written version on Tuesday, if you're not a subscriber at OhioState.Rivals.com, you should join us there. Use promo code DTE30. You can get a free month. 
um, where myself, Andrew, Bill Landis, Austin Ward, and et cetera, um, will be generally found uh, in the message forums over there. Um, quarterback is is the one that I think it, it's like it's weird because it's such an important position at this point in the process for Ohio State that it's they're sort of in a wait and see mode with Lincoln Keenholz, the uh, Washington commitment. He took his official visit for the Michigan game. We've not done a talking stuff since, so this is an an update, I guess. I talked to Lincoln on Tuesday. Uh, the sense I get is that he's still pretty torn, um, and you can understand that. He's been committed to uh, Kalen DeBoer, a, a fellow South Dakotan, since June. The way I view it, Andrew, is they're sort of, you know, the, the old typical battle of head versus heart. I don't think that's the case here. I think this is more like loyalty versus royalty. You know what I mean? Like that is – when a program like Ohio State, even as good as Washington's been, and especially as explosive as their offense has been this year, uh, they're not on the same level as Ohio State. And when a program like Ohio State says, hey, we want you to be our quarterback in this class, we believe you can play here, that is a hard thing for a kid to to just turn down. Yeah, and I mean, they absolutely need a quarterback in the class. And, you know, the portal is always an option too, but it sure seems like they want one 2023 quarterback and – if you're kind of reading the tea leaves here, it seems to me like Ryan Day and Corey Dennis have all of their eggs in the Keenholz basket, and they're not really doing much with other quarterbacks. Now, maybe there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. I know the Keenholz stuff was kind of brewing for a while there before it really became public. But to me, that sounds like they feel as though they're going to have their guy, whether it's here in two weeks or, or you know, before before February, certainly. Um, I can't remember if he's an early enrollee or not. but Yes. Yeah, he's an early enrollee. So I guess – to me, it just it seems like they're all in on him, and now he's, like you said, just kind of in decision mode. So, Yeah, and I would expect Ohio State to add a quarterback in the transfer portal at some point as well. I don't, I don't think that they're looking for a starter at that spot. That is something that I see regularly talked about around uh, Columbus and radio and TV and stuff, and uh, that's not, uh, as far as I can understand, part of the plan. I, they want uh, Kyle McCord or Devin Brown to be the starter next year and, and – they're going to let those two duke it out, see who can to take the job. Uh, I do think that Ohio State will need to find another player at that position just because, again, it's 2022, 2023 by the time spring football ends. And the reality of the situation is whichever guy loses that starting job may very well be entering the transfer portal at the end of spring. So that's that's where we are now. Like, this is what you wanted, America. This is what you wanted. So bad. It's so bad for the game. Um, anyway. Um, so that's really quarterback. I mean, it's, it seems to be Lincoln Keenholz or bust, uh, at Keenholz. Um, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name. I should probably ask him that next time I talk to him. Um, but that seems like the move, right? Yeah. I mean, that seems like it to me until we see some movement elsewhere or whatever. I mean, it seems like they're pretty locked in on him from what I can tell. Running back, um, on the flip side of that seems to be somewhat entering the abyss at the moment. I don't. I don't believe at this point that there is anyone uh, in the class of 2023 that I would say is leaning toward Ohio State or expected to be the running back in this class as it's currently constructed. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Jamarion Wilcox from South Paulding, Georgia. I, I think at this point they're still f- working to try to get him on campus for an official visit. They're hoping to do that this weekend. At this juncture, I'm, I don't think it, that it will happen. Um, the same can be said with Ruben Owens, who you'd figure with Louisville losing their head coach, Scott Satterfield, uh, uh, on Monday, that there'd be an opportunity there to take advantage of that. Um, but again, now we see, you know, Owens committed to Louisville for one reason, and it wasn't because he just loved Scott Satterfield. Um, and now you see at Texas A&M and other schools around the, the um, region will get involved there. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, so it's just a weird spot. And, and the more I think about the Ohio State current roster, the more I believe it's feasible to get through this cycle without taking a running back. Period. Um, it, it, so long as you're confident that Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, uh, Dallin Hayden, Evan Pryor, and Chip Trainum are all going to be back next year. And if that's the case, I don't think you need to take another running back in this class. So. That's sort of where I think it's heading, but a lot of things can change. I mean, even just on Tuesday night, we saw Jalen Knighton and, um, you know, enter the transfer portal. He's a guy who was 
famously, you know, silently committed to Ohio State in the class of 2020 for a couple weeks, uh, along with Bajan Robinson. So you just never know. Uh, they're going to certainly kick the tires on everyone in the portal. But I think at this point, it's more reactionary than proactive. Yeah, and I really hadn't even thought about them, you know, going zero running back in this class until your your piece earlier today. You kind of broke it down nicely. But Evan Pryor, I think a lot of people, myself included, just kind of he's just kind of the forgotten man because of the injury, obviously. So getting him back healthy, you know, does Mayan Williams return? Trey Henderson obviously is battling through his own injuries. And then, you know, Dallin Hayden sure looked pretty good against Maryland there. So I guess in theory you could do that. If I'm Brian Day and Tony Alford, I would much rather have a guy, but you're not just going to take a guy to have a warm body in there either. I know they had had the chance to move on some of the Ohio guys. Um, that doesn't seem to be happening. So, I mean, they seem pretty content unless they can get Wilcox on campus here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I think Trey Cornish down at Winton Woods is still a potential uh, addition in this class. There is some discussion with him about uh, he wants to sign on in the early signing period. I think the Ohio State preference would be if he's willing to wait until February that he'd have a much better chance and there'd be some clarity as far as the roster goes, uh, as far as exactly what Mayan Williams is doing, what else is going on um, it, you know, in the portal and that kind of stuff. I think they, they really do like Trey. Um, I believe that there's probably been a push from some of the schools recruiting him, uh, primarily one down in Lexington, Kentucky, that is pretty much selling him on the idea that, hey, if they wanted you, they'd offer you and, and you shouldn't you shouldn't feel like you should have to wait, um, which is fair, I guess. Um, but in reality, that's not the way the world works. Uh, Ohio State is going to just keep looking and evaluating and watching. He visited also for the Michigan game. Really good player. But again, is he better? Than Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, Evan Pryor, uh, Down Hayden, or Chip Trainum. The answer to that is obviously no, because those guys all have college experience. And what you do gain if you don't take one in the class of 2024 is sort of a, a bonus chip on the table. No, no pun intended for Trainum. Um, you do gain a little bit extra when you're recruiting Jordan Marshall in the class of 2024 out of Cincinnati Moeller. Say, hey, we skipped this position last year you're our guy this year let's let's make a move um so that that is i guess one of the potential ancillary benefits of not taking one in this class so we'll see how that plays out yeah and they're going to definitely take two guys in 2024 regardless it seems like so whether it's marshall or a guy like stacy gage or any of those top guys that they got on their board right now um i guess in a way this could set them up nicely for for the next class i know you hate talking about the next class all the time but it's it's the, it's, the, it's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, you have to. And, you know, to address what is percolating and floating around on, on Twitter and Instagram and stuff on Tuesday, uh, I wrote about Dallin Hayden having um, some people from the Tennessee side, like potentially reaching out to him. Um, I wanted to be clear that I did not in any way suggest that Dallin Hayden was interested in transferring uh, to, to Tennessee. I'm not sure why that was misconstrued. Uh, construed or taken out of context and run that way. The point was that Ohio State doesn't need to take another running back in this class because you have guys like Hayden on the roster. So, and he's been so much better than anyone expected that you have a, a bona fide potential star there. You don't want to risk pushing him in another direction because the roster gets too deep. So, whatever. That's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about anonymous Twitter accounts. And I, I wish accounts. that people. I wish people. About, I wish people would just like not pay any attention to those damn like aggregator accounts. Like why, why do they exist? Why do people not only did it start not only did it become you saying Hayden was possibly leaving, then it somehow evolved to, Oh, Jeremy Birmingham is saying that Hayden might be gone and Trey. Like, I don't know where this comes from. I wish those I accounts know. could all just get nuked like right now. Or Yeah. I don't know if Elon whatever. Musk will watch this episode of talking stuff. I doubt he will, but you know, I want to be clear. Elon, if you're watching, please get rid of anonymous Twitter accounts that pose as people who are connected to football programs around the country. Please. I'm begging you, the, Elon. The, the next article you do, I want you to include like some random ass tidbit that's obviously not true and just see how yeah. long it takes for that info. to Like CJ Stroud's going to miss the, the playoff because his Because he's allergic to wide, pineapple. Yeah, something like that. It'll it'll literally end up on one of those accounts within minutes, and then it'll end up on every Ohio State forum because those accounts target like the lowest common denominator of every fan base, and every fan yeah. base has them. It's not just 
Ohio State. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. Let's yeah. CJ Stroud ate pineapple. He's allergic to it, and now he doesn't know if he can play because his tongue is swollen uh, five times too big, and this deadly pineapple allergy could potentially put a damper on Ohio State's national championship run. Yeah. Pray for pray yeah. for CJ. Pineapple. Um, wide receiver. <laughs> wide receiver. That's. I mean, if we're talking about the last six months of just like sheer insanity in the class of 2023 for Ohio state. Has there been a single position that's bordered on the ludicrous more than the rumors and rampant uh, discussion about the wide receivers? No, of course not. Uh, Here we are two weeks of signing day. There's no legitimate concern about any of the receivers that are currently committed to Ohio state signing as of Tuesday night, December 6th, Wednesday, December 7th, when this will really uh, take off uh, on the interwebs. So take a deep breath. And as my good friend, that one princess from that movie said, let it go. Elsa? You know? Is that it? I think it's Elsa. I don't know. I don't know. Was she the one that said let it go or was it her sister? I can't remember. I honestly haven't seen Frozen. I just know the name Elsa. I'm more of an Aladdin guy. So What was her sister's name? Not, not important. Not important. Not important. Um, anyway, so as we move on from wide receivers, cause that's really all there is to it. The one thing I would say is that, you know, Ohio state is certainly going to be a potential destination for any receiver who is entering the transfer portal. I don't think Brian Hartline is going to risk anything that would potentially cause more of a challenge for this 2023 group, uh, leading up to signing day. So he did enough of that a week ago by just all of the rumors about him in Cincinnati. Uh, obviously, he is sticking around, and so a lot of that stuff has been squashed. But it did understandably cause a, a momentary, like ears perking up for for Brandon Ennis and, and Noah Rogers and those guys. But Hartline's going to be in Columbus; those guys are going to be with him. That I just I just don't see anything else uh, happening there. Tight end, where there actually was a coaching change for Ohio State is a different ball of wax. And we're talking about Auburn uh, as we got started in the preamble of this show. Um, that's certainly one to watch for Jelani Thurman. He was on Bermanology last week, said all the right things. I, I appreciated greatly his time. I believe what he was saying, uh, to be clear. I think that he was very upfront about um, the fact that he understands people being concerned about uh, Auburn and the fact that he's visited there, I think, six times this season. Uh, they didn't have a head coach at the time. Um, they do now, and it's Hugh Freeze. And whether you like or dislike Hugh Freeze is irrelevant. What it does show or say is that Auburn has their ducks in a row. From what I've heard, they have a fairly massive war chest uh, ready to deploy in the transfer portal and in the class of 2023. Um, and when that becomes what's important, then there's at least an opportunity that they decide to really up the ante in a way that Ohio State certainly is not going to be able to compete um, for Jelani Thurman. And if that happens, that's that's really the only way I see, even with Kevin Wilson's departure, that's really the only thing I think that could upend Ohio State in that battle. Yeah, I think Ohio State's kind of in a decent spot here because some of the other coaches on the staff, including Brian Hartline, have built a good relationship with Jelani. But Kevin Wilson leaving – and that, that did kind of, I guess that's a little bit concerning, but I guess we'll see here in the next few weeks before the early signing period, does he make another official visit to Auburn? Now that they've got that coaching change, he's he's able to do that. So he's probably seen yeah. everything he needs to see at Auburn, but who knows? Exactly, exactly. So really it's about going there. And if he does decide to go back there, it's about seeing how well he connects with Hugh Freeze. And again, because the normal things don't matter, you find out, does that matter? If if Auburn, it's so crazy to be talking about this about college football. If Auburn decides to overpay for a tight end, then that is what it is. Um, and Ohio State certainly is going to do everything it can to keep Jelani. They think he is a potential, you know, all American type player at tight end. Uh, he's definitely different than anything they've had on the roster there since probably Ricky Dudley in the 90s. Um, but one thing that does play to the Buckeye advantage, and I wrote this on, on Tuesday, uh, Jelani's dad played in the NFL for a while. Uh, there, it's not a family that is going to be swayed quite as easily by by just money. So you you hope that even with Kevin Wilson's departure, the relationships that Jelani has with Ryan Day, with Brian Hartline, um, with Keenan Bailey, with the rest of the guys on the staff, with the players that are in the class is enough to overcome that potential 
um, snafu if, if Auburn decides to to go that route. Um, much like, you know, any other position, Ohio State does have players they've got sort of penciled if something goes wrong. Um, but that, you know, they haven't spent all this time in, in, in personal capital and in, in relationship capital um, building a relationship with someone for this long only to see it fall apart up to signing day. So, you know, you, we can try to minimize any potential loss, but the fact is anyone at this point, it, there's a high, high sting rate. <laughs> like it, it's going to hurt. Yeah. I mean, they, they need to keep him in the fold. He's just, he's just different. You said it. He's different from the other guys they've had in maybe even decades. So um, hopefully they don't have to move on to some of those other, yeah, you don't you don't want to go to plan C. You don't want to go to plan C uh with with two weeks to signing day. That's just not that's not ideal for anyone. Uh offensive line, things are pretty well locked up there for Ohio State. Again, there's still conversation about Samson Okanlola potentially taking an official visit to Columbus this weekend. Uh when it comes to that, I guess I'm from Missouri. So if if he wants to, great. I do not believe that there's any chance he ends up committing to Ohio State at this point. If Ohio State doesn't feel like there's a realistic chance that he would give them a, a true opportunity to to make a difference this weekend, then they won't have him come visit. So uh, it, it's sort of, I guess, let me preface it or change what I'm saying. If he visits, maybe there's a chance because they will not let him visit otherwise. Yeah, I'm ready to be done talking about him. So whatever. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Um, you know who we haven't talked about ever on this show is the big three defensive ends of Keon Keeley, Damian Wilson, and oh. Mateo Uyengalile. So uh, now's the best time to talk about those guys and say it's not looking great. Uh, you know, not trying to be the bearer of bad news, but we're talking stuff on this episode of of, of the show. And uh, you got to be realistic uh, at, at this juncture. Most of the momentum, it seems, in the Damon Wilson recruitment has sort of started to swing back to Georgia. I heard from uh, a friend of mine that uh, covers the Bulldogs earlier this week that they felt that they finally won dad over. And so I guess we'll see if that, uh, you know, is true. Ryan Day is expected to take his at-home visit with the Wilsons at the end of this week. I don't know if it'll be Thursday or Friday, but uh, he will certainly get one final swing there to change things back. I don't think that this one is strictly nil based i want to be clear about that certainly the number and I, we talked about this uh, six weeks ago when we first started really talking about damon wilson on this show as far as nil the number the monetary value that i've heard georgia has assigned to him is insane and incredible but i really think if he picks georgia it's going to come down to just feeling like they have a defense that will allow him to do what he does better uh, than ohio state does and that's that's Unfortunately, maybe a side effect of, of watching the Buckeyes pass rush and defensive uh, pressure be completely nullified and eradicated against Michigan. Um, but I, I don't I want to be clear, like I think NIL plays a part in this, but I, it's not going to be only that like there are multiple layers to, to this battle. Yeah, I can't comment on the NIL thing, but if a kid from Florida wants to go play edge rusher, outside linebacker, whatever for for Kirby Smart, for the reigning national champions, the number one seed in the playoff. I mean, I can't fault him for that. Tough loss, but he'll do great there if he goes there. So, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to like lament that too much if that's what he chooses. Again, you uh, if if this was 2019, he would have committed to Ohio State in September, and this probably wouldn't be happening. But because NIL does keep a door open a little bit longer than maybe it would have before, I I think that that plays a role, but. I don't think it should be dismissed or written off entirely as, oh, this is because of NIL. That's, that's all that matter. Um, so, you know, similarly with Keon Keeley, I think NIL plays a, a large role in this, as we've talked about over and over. But I do think that from a positional standpoint, from a fit standpoint, Keon Keeley in Ohio State is still a good match. The Buckeyes saw him last week um, with Jim Knowles and Larry Johnson. They are still working to, to make sure they get an at home visit with Ryan Day. I, I don't know. I'm not going to rule him completely out of the class. Certainly we've talked about this enough. Why hasn't he committed to Bama yet? Why hasn't he committed to Bama yet? If it's such a done deal, if it's so clear cut, why hasn't it happened? And 
I just don't, I don't know there's a good answer for that. And from knowing what I know about Keon and the conversations I've had with him, he's not a game player. So he's not just sitting on this for fun. If, if he wanted this to be done, 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 it would be. So what is the holdup? Yeah, no, that's like the only kind of like lingering hope I have in my head with him is just the fact that he hasn't committed anywhere yet. And like you said, if he knows where he wants to go, he would probably have announced his commitment already. So yeah. that's like the only lingering hope I really have there. I know he's got a, you know, he's close with some of the Ohio State commits. He's just a fit in Columbus at Ohio State, but it would be a surprise still at this point if it's not Alabama. But yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, not trying to blow smoke up anyone's butthole here, folks. We're trying to just be realistic about where where things are going in this class. Uh, Mateo Uyunglele, as, as difficult as it is to read what's going on with Damon Wilson and Keon Keeley, it's probably even more difficult with Uyunglele because the kid just doesn't tip his hand at all. I mean, there there's obviously been uh, rumors that Ohio State has been in the lead in that battle for a while. Oregon, USC continue to make a, a push. USC being on the verge of the playoff this year certainly helped. Their defense stunk. That certainly doesn't hurt Ohio State. Um, Oregon is one of those teams with Dan Lanning and the way that they you know, try to play defense for based on his history of Georgia. There's interest. I think what is fascinating here is his brother, DJ Uangalele, the quarterback at Clemson, who's now in the transfer portal. I could see very likely... Um, Oregon welcoming DJ into their program uh, and even giving him a chance to be the starter if Bo Nix is with Bo Nix moving on. So like there is that opportunity there to get a two for one. I think there is at least a discussion to be had in Columbus about whether or not you should look into DJ because again, I think Ohio State should sign a 2023 quarterback and take one in the transfer portal. The question of is whether or not Uyangale, the quarterback, would be willing to Accept a role that was not a guaranteed starter spot. I, I don't think that uh, he would be under the pre any pretense that he would walk into a program like Ohio State and be the unquestioned starter, considering um, how he played this year and last. So uh, I think that there's some some hard discussions discussions decisions to be made by DJ that could have some uh, you know residual uh, effect on, on Mateo. Yeah, and I mean, who knows if their plan is to in fact play college together? I mean, I have no idea, but. I would say if you're looking at Ohio State, USC, and then like you mentioned, Oregon, of those three schools, which one's going to allow, you know, DJ to come in and play more right away would definitely be Oregon with, you know, Caleb Williams at USC. And I know obviously CJ Stroud leaving, but I don't think anybody would expect him to come in and beat out Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, at least given the way his career trajectory has kind of gone over these last two seasons. That hasn't been great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, there, there's a real chance they could miss on all three of their big remaining edge targets. And if that happens, that's unfortunate and that's not a great thing, but such as that's the why the transfer portals here, uh, uh, as far as Mateo and DJ, like I, I have this weird feeling like another random school is going to pop up there. Maybe someone like Arizona state, something just a little bit off the beaten path. Um, where again, I, I've talked about this before. I, I don't get the sense that either one of these guys really loves the limelight. Uh, and really, which I know is somewhat ironic considering DJ was in a freaking Dr. Pepper commercial a year ago, but like, I don't think it's really what they crave. Um, I do believe that there is a, a pull to stay closer to home uh, for these guys to be close to their mom. Um, in a place like Arizona state where there's maybe less pressure, but you're going to get a lot of opportunities there. I, it's just one I have penciled like on my notes of saying, what if, um, if, if that happens? So that's not. Uh, it's entirely conjecture at this point, but I just feel like there's going to be a surprise twist in this battle. Uh, and that that's what I'm saying. Um, now you certainly Ohio state could miss out on those three uh, defensive ends. They are still in a very good position to land Joshua Mickens, the former LSU commitment. Um, I, I went and saw him at his high school, Lawrence central uh, in Indianapolis last week. Great kid. Love a lot about what he can do. The issue I have with Joshua Mickens is that, I don't think he's a true defensive end. So you're looking at him. If you put him in the Ohio State class in pencil right now, um, he's more of a jack stand-up hybrid type than he is a traditional defensive end in a class that you really need def traditional defensive ends because you're going to lose JT Tumalo after next season. You're already losing Zach Harrison after this season. 
there's not really a clear cut guy to take over for Zach at this point, unless you move Jack Sawyer down and maybe see if he's better fit, better suited for that role. And uh, there's a lot of roster management that can happen between now and then, but like, that's the issue with Mickens. And I don't think he should be regarded in the same way that um, the other three are because he's not in the same position. Yeah. Very different player than those other three. Um, I guess I was kind of surprised when you had your update. Is he? I know he's not announcing until early January, right? The plan is for him to announce his decision on January 7th at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. The question, I think, what you're getting at is whether or not he's going to sign in, in December or February. Uh, when I was there, there was at least a discussion being had about waiting until February 5th. That is his mother's birthday, and so he was wanting to maybe sign then because it's a special day for his his family. Um, that said, kids are not naive. Coaches are not naive. They're looking at the transfer portal. They realize that 600 new college football prospects popped onto the scene on, on Monday and Tuesday this week, and it may not be the smartest thing to wait until February if you're a guy that wants to be at a place like Ohio State. So uh, my expectation is that he still will sign in December and announce on January 7th. But there was at least discussion about waiting. Yeah, and obviously, if you're going to count him in, you call it the big four. He's the one He's the one everybody would feel best about. I do kind of wonder about a school like Notre Dame or Michigan kind of getting involved there. I know Michigan just lost one of their edge guys to Miami. They might lose another edge guy to Miami. Um, so I don't know. It'd be ideal for Ohio state. I think if he signs here in the next two weeks or whenever that early signing period starts. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that there's about, uh, what, 10 days left in this contact period. So anyone who decides to make that push is going to have to do it quickly. Um, it, and if they're going to try to muddy the waters, that, that's really where it, Ohio state has been all over Joshua Mickens since about the start of October, as far as just understanding and getting to know him. So they do have an advantage there. Notre Dame, for whatever reason, is just not bit um I, i'm not sure why i know that um part of it with, with the old staff and brian kelly leaving when he did sort of threw things out uh, in the air but um ironically of course he you know committed to brian kelly and lsu so uh it, who knows exactly why they haven't that's not what we're trying to figure out i guess but right now things look good for ohio state when it comes to joshua mickens linebacker uh, as much as it pains me, because I think Arian Carter is such a great fit for Ohio State, I, I don't envision him picking the Buckeyes at this point. I think he'll stay in the SEC and pick Tennessee or, or Alabama. Um, but, you know, Ohio State has Arvell Reese committed, and they love Arvell Reese. He's, he's a guy that can play multiple linebacker spots. So uh, it's probably going to be a one-man class. Nothing really has changed there. Um I don't want to conjecture on the transfer portal too much because it's folly to do so because there's so many names. But certainly uh, Iowa transfer Justin Jacobs entering the transfer portal on, on Tuesday night is one that I would just like. I mean, this literally just happened. So, like, I think you'd have to probably pay attention. That Ohio State really did want him when he came out of uh, the Dayton area when he uh, picked Iowa. They they offered him late in, in that cycle, and now they have an opportunity to maybe get back. I think he'd probably be going off to the NFL if he hadn't been hurt this year. It's a big-time athlete, a guy that could really fill a spot um, if you're looking for some help. So if they do decide to take a transfer linebacker, um, that's one I would pay attention to pretty closely. I know a lot of people are asking about Desan McCullough, but that that just doesn't seem like it's going to work out um, for Ohio State and him. I expect him to probably end up at Oklahoma. But, Andrew, as you look at the linebacker position, seeing, you know, we talked about this on the last episode. So much of what they do in this spot or what they need in this spot is predicated on the decision of Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. And I think you can make some argument that because they haven't extended a rash of offers to other linebackers that maybe they feel confident both those guys will return. Yeah, I mean, it seems that way. I'm kind of operating under the impression that those guys will be back. And that would certainly be a big deal for Jim Knowles and company. Um Switching back to the recruiting thing, though, I, I kind of wonder if, or I kind of wish that, like, Tackett Curtis would, like, wake up in the middle of the night at, like, three in the morning of this terrible nightmare of, I'm going to be playing for Alex Grinch, and then wakes up and realizes that's not a nightmare. Like, I've actually made the conscious decision to commit to USC and play for Alex Grinch. Um, so maybe that could change, but uh, there's obviously nothing out yeah. there to make, make us think that happens, but that's just disappointing. Poor kid. There may not, there may not be a single coach in America who is more polarizing uh, between 
what fans of the school that he's coached at believe versus what people on the other side of the industry believe because Alex Grinch is still very well regarded by a lot of people. He was one of the guys being considered for the Tulsa job that Kevin Wilson ultimately took. And he, he he's, his name continues to be out there. Um, I, I know that players like him, uh, the kids appreciate his style and the way he recruits. So it is weird. Um, uh, you know, that's one of the, if we go back in this cycle and we'll probably do something like this on ohiostate.rivals.com around signing day, like the, the couple storylines that really made this cycle, uh, tech at Curtis surprising everyone and picking USC when he did is probably going to be one of those because that was unexpected and, you know, it did put Ohio State in a position where they really had to take a step back and assess exactly what they wanted to do at linebacker. And at this point, it seems like they've settled on just the one uh, in Arvell Reese. They have three cornerbacks committed. Um, you know, that is the position, I think, where if you're looking for the most potential intrigue between now and signing day, it's corner. Um, uh, Jermaine Matthews, Winton Woods High School in Cincinnati, is a guy that has become a national recruit in the last month or so as his ranking has skyrocketed across the, the different uh, recruiting networks. Um, some have him ranked as high as the number two ranked cornerback in the country. Ohio State loves him. They believe that he's a player who can make an instant impact. Um, and he's a player that is now on the radar for the Miami Hurricanes. And uh, what we know is that when that happens, you get that hurricane flag out because they are willing to play a game that Ohio State is not willing to play. So, there's some big decisions that uh, Jermaine has to make between now and next weekend when he's at least at this point scheduled to take an official visit to Miami. Yeah. And really, if there's one kid in this class that they just can't afford to lose, it, it might be, it might be Jermaine Matthews. Obviously Luke Montgomery is a candidate for that too, but <clears throat> I don't know. I don't feel like this is threat level red or black or whatever the worst threat level is at this point by any means i don't know if you'd agree with that or not i, yeah, I don't know the hurricane flags i don't know the hurricane flags but i'm, I'm sure <laughs> th there's definitely a, a you know storm advisory that you have to pay attention to just because we you know how they're operating and uh like again i i, I keep this is sort of the way this show works sometimes i just repeat ideas over and over again because i think they're important ideas if this was 2019 there is no conversation that would be being had about Jermaine Matthews, a kid from Cincinnati who dreamt of playing at Ohio State his entire life, who has always wanted to be a Buckeye, who is a player the Buckeyes prioritized and accepted a commitment from after he went to a camp and earned it. It's like back in 2013, the think that Denzel Ward could have been like, you know what, guys, I'm going to I'm going to pass on this. Like, that's just not how it goes. And it's just indicative of exactly how crazy college football recruiting is right now. Yeah, I mean, if I were committed to Ohio State, and let's just hypothetically say I had already scheduled all my classes to start at Ohio State next month, and then another school in a more tropical climate offered to fly me down there on their own dime and wine me and dine me and maybe like get me a boat or something, like I'd, I mean, I'd probably at least consider doing that, knowing full well that I'm going to be starting classes in Columbus here in a few weeks. But we'll see if he we'll see if he makes that trip. I know he's saying some things to Miami sides that have them somewhat confident, but I, I have my doubts. Yeah, I, I am going to be, I, I don't believe at this point that he'll make that trip, but there's a lot that can happen between now and the 16th of December when he's uh, expected to be there. We saw some of that even on, on Tuesday as um, reports about Ohio state uh, pursuing a transfer from Virginia in the transfer portal. His name is escaping me. I know you know it cause you love it. Oh gosh. Cy his last name is Cypress. I think. Yes. Um, so, Latrell, you know, Cypress? Le yeah. It, the, the, the reality is Ohio State is going to evaluate every position. Cornerback is certainly one they're going to need uh, help in. I think that they have to be concerned about um, looking for other cornerbacks because of the rumors around Jermaine Matthews and Kay and Lee. Uh, but on Tuesday, you know, there were the anonymous Twitter accounts posting that Ohio State was interested in, in um, this Virginia transfer. Who's what's his name? Tell me. Fen Fentrell Cypress. Fentrell Cypress. Second. Just a perfect Fentrell Cypress. Name. Yeah, he, he's up. a you know, second team all, all ACC, a, a good player. Um, but Ohio State is, is in a position where you know you're going to lose Cam Brown at least. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the guys on the roster. You don't know um, if Jermaine Matthews and Kay and Lee 
are going to stick with their commitment. So the Buckeyes certainly are well within their right to be at least kicking the tires on potential transfers. But Jermaine's response on Twitter, which was like the googly eyes and a laughing face or whatever, uh, would indicate that he's probably being told a lot of things by other schools like, hey, they don't they're they're going to try to recruit over you, which is just simply not the case. But that's that's recruiting and, and you understand it. Um, again, I, I don't think there's much stock to be put into worrying about Jermaine Matthews right now, and I don't think anyone should do that. When it comes to Kay and Lee, again, who, like Jelani Thurman, has been to Auburn multiple times this season, um, there were a lot of, of uh, smoke coming out of the Georgia area last weekend uh, that uh, Ole Miss and Auburn both are, are preparing a push for Kay and Lee. Um, and you know what I mean when I say push, so just be prepared. Um, <laughs> like he is not from an NFL family and that does change the way that these kids have to uh, look at things coupled with the fact that Miguel Patrick, uh, his former head coach at Cedar Grove high school, uh, who was working for Ohio state for the last year as a defensive assistant, uh, took a job as a full-time position coach, a defensive line coach at the university of Alabama, Birmingham is now all of a sudden the best relationship that Kay and Lee had in Columbus is not there. Tim Walton's doing everything he can to, to save it. But there's rumors that Lee will be back at Auburn this weekend. And again, you just you have to be prepared and, and you have to be cognizant of that if you're Ohio State that um, we, we've seen this play before. You know what I mean? Like you sort of know how it ends. Uh, and so I think Ohio State's doing the right thing by taking a look at um, players like Cypress and any other player that pops up in the transfer portal. They're going to do their due diligence and make sure that they're not caught um, flat-footed. Like their corner. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> Schwing. Uh, yeah, I would say, like last weekend, I was not terribly worried about the K and Lee situation. And then when I saw the Miguel Patrick leaving news, that sort of took it to a new level for me. So I kind of have my doubts on that one. But I guess we'll see if he's back at Auburn this weekend. That would be a very telling sign for sure. Yeah. You know, from an Ohio State perspective, the conversation that I uh, had with people on. Uh, Monday evening was that they felt like they had absorbed the body blow and we're going to be fine moving forward. I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more skeptical, I think. And I, I, I hope that I'm, that I'm wrong, that I'm reading it wrong because Kaylee, I think is exactly the type of cornerback Ohio state needs someone who's physical and extremely aggressive and wants to put hands on people and wants to, to really, uh, get in the mix and, and be a, a, you know, a difference maker in the slot. So, um, he, he's a player that fits what they want to do very, very well. But again, you need to be preparing um, contingencies and that's what they're doing. We, you know, I, I wanted this show to be shorter and yet here we are at 47 minutes long. We got to talk about safeties though. Um, uh, we'll make this quick. Uh, the three guys that are committed, Jaden Bonsu, Cedric Hawkins and um, uh, Malik Hartford, Hartford are solid and locked in all good. Here we are two weeks to signing day. What does Caleb Downs decide to do? He's saying all the right things. Everyone's saying the right things. Everyone's saying the right things about him in Alabama. The, 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 the bottom line is he's committed to Alabama right now, so there's nothing else to say. That's what he sold, um, uh, you know, paraphrasing. That's what he told Rivals.com um, uh, national guy, Adam Gorney, on, on Tuesday. But I just can't shake the feeling, Andrew. I can't shake it. That What if he just wakes up and says, you know what? I'm going to go to Ohio state and he just, maybe he'll do that on the signing day. I don't know. There's certainly a lot of good things going on in Alabama, but there's also some question marks about their coaching staff, which it seems like is going to be pretty well dismantled by Nick Saban. And I'm actually a little bit stunned. If we're just going to get into the weeds here, Alabama's not playing in the playoff. They're going to have 15 guys transfer before the, their bowl game. A number, probably that many guys opt out and not play in the bowl game. If you're Nick Saban, you know that you can always get your pick of the litter when it comes to finding assistant coaches, but isn't it weird that like either he's not going to dismantle his staff or he's intentionally waiting till after signing day, which, which one do you think it is? Oh, I think it's the latter. I think he's waiting. And I think that Caleb Downs and his dad are, were very meticulous about this whole process. They're, you know, a smart family, smart couple guys. And I think they probably know that the Alabama staff, right now is not going to be what it looks like here in three weeks or a month or what have you. And it's just a matter of how much that's going to weigh on their decision. Honestly, it, like you said, maybe he'll wake up on the Wednesday of the early signing period and just decide, you know, Hey, 
I want to go to Columbus. I want to play for Perry Eliano and Ryan Day. That might happen. I'm not going to count on that happening, but I look forward to uh, – I love pleasant surprises, so we'll see if we get one of those. Yeah, and again, this is where Nick Saban sort of gets the benefit of the doubt that Ryan Day and others around the country may not get. There is certainly a discussion about whether or not, hey, if, if Alabama loses three defensive coaches, for example, and that's just – I'm just making up a number. I, I don't have any – real info about who's leaving, who's not. There's certainly been a lot of scuttlebutt, however, in the last month or plus uh, out of Tuscaloosa about some changes. Uh, It doesn't matter who Nick Saban hires or fires because Nick Saban is there. And and that is something that people still have to consider and weigh against all of their other uh, information. So like in in a normal recruitment, you could be like, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's a killer. That's a huge deal. But when Nick Saban's there and he stands there and does this and he's got you know, rings coming out of his face holes. Like it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, he's going to find other guys. And with Nick Saban, the fact of the matter is he may just be waiting to hire his new coaches in February when he can pick all NFL coaches because he's able to sort of play the game at his own speed and he's earned that. So it's just a very unique situation coming up. And um, again, similar to, to Damon Wilson, this is not a situation where Ohio State's getting beat on NIL. I'm sure that there's an element to it, but it has nothing to do with NIL when it comes to Caleb Downs' decision. I said that back in, in July. This was a decision uh, of a young player who is, in my opinion, the best player in the country, decided he wanted to go play at the safe bet in the place that he knew exactly what he was going to get. Ohio State had this season to show him what their defense can be, what they need, what role he fits. Um, And similarly to Damon Wilson, I think, unfortunately, they had their worst game as a secondary unit, especially at the safety position in the game that that, uh, Caleb Downs visited. That is a that's a bad break, but it's all about how you spin things and say, hey, you're the guy that can fix this. You're the you're you wouldn't you know, how would you have handled this? What would you have done different? And I think that there's an opportunity to to still make hay there. Um, I uh, like you. I wouldn't say I'm optimistic, but I, I would say that to completely dismiss Ohio State until he's signed his letter of intent would not be wise. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, just realistically, there is a chance that over the next few weeks that Ohio State loses a guy or two and only maybe adds one, if that's Joshua Mickens or whatever. There's a chance that happens. I mean, obviously, we don't want that to happen, but I wouldn't be a total surprise at this point. So we will, we will see. At least we got a game against Georgia coming up, so that should be fun. It is a wild time to be covering college football. It is an even wilder time to be covering college football recruiting because there are so many different ways to cover it, so many different um, things that you have to pay attention to. We're doing the best we can. Uh, That's Andrew Ellis. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This is Talking Stuff. Please rate, review, subscribe. Head over to ohiostate.rivals.com. Sign up uh, using DTE30 as your promo code. Get a free month and continue the conversation with us there. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.